Now we're going to be back in the book of Mark today, chapter 7. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 7. Begin reading in verse 24. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible around in the, right below you in the seat. You're welcome to not only help yourself there, take it home if you don't have a Bible. It's an NASB. It's a translation we usually teach from here. And, but you're welcome to that, that Bible also. And this is the account of Jesus as he went into another region. Some of what we've been teaching and studying together has taken place around the Sea of Galilee. Now we're going to move toward the coastline, and we're going to go along the Mediterranean coast, and we're going to look at a region called Tyre this morning as we look in the Word of God together. Jesus got up and went away from there to, to the region of Tyre. And when he entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon having, having left. And again, again, he went out from the region of Tyre and came through sight into the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. You will notice again, we are looking today at an area called Tyre. And this is where Jesus is going to go. Now, Tyre was a coastline city in southern Lebanon. We don't, know, we don't know all the reason, but Jesus was followed by a massive amount of people. It was wearing. We've already seen times he went out into the desert to get away. We see times he went in the wilderness to get away. Yes, he was the son of God. But yes, he was God in the flesh. He got tired. He wore out just like we wore out. I don't know for sure because the coast of Tyre in the southern part of Lebanon is a beautiful area. It is the area that is known even throughout the Bible times as a place where the cedars of Lebanon grow that grow up about 100 feet in the air. They're beautiful, beautiful cedars if you ever see them. They were even shipped into, into Israel in the time in which Solomon built his own, own house or David built his house and Solomon built his temple. And above, above Tyre, there is another city called Sidon. If you look in your map, if you have your Bible, you look up the coastline, you'll see the area of Sidon. And down below, close to the, the, the line of Israel, where Lebanon borders Israel, you'll see Tyre. And there it was that Jesus was, going, it was entering into this city, the city of Tyre. And if you notice with me in verse 1, it says he didn't want anyone to know. And so that's one of the first things we think about. Maybe Jesus was saying, I've just got to rest. I think we've all been there. We get tired. We get weary because of things, some things. He didn't want anyone to know, know of it, yet he could not escape notice. People found Jesus, and Jesus found people. 
The beauty of Jesus is, and I think this is a great challenge for each of us, uh, probably many of us here will take a vacation sometimes, but have you ever been on a vacation and had God find you on the vacation and you find God? It's an amazing thing, the places that the Lord will intersect in our life and connect with us in the most amazing way. And here at Sidon, I mean, at Tyre, God was going to use the Lord Jesus in an amazing way as he begins to interact with a very unusual person. The title of this message today is The Woman That Got What She Wanted. A lot of times we look at that negatively, but as you look at, the, at this in context today, you'll see a picture of a woman who went after something and what she went after she got. And I want us to think about that and not let go as we consider this this morning. Now, the area of Tyre at one time, during the time of David and of Solomon, had a king. His name was Hiram. Now, King Hiram was a very interesting man because he loved David. God put in this man's heart, even though he was not an Israelite, a love for King David. And he began to do many kinds of things for David. If you look, with, look, with, look up on the screen, you'll see in 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, this. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David with cedar trees, masons, and carpenters to build a house for him. And David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. Here was Hiram reaching out to this young upstart of a king and saying, I want to build a house for you. It's on my heart. And God was using a person that was not connected in a religious sense to bless King David. And that blessing continued all the way down through the life of Solomon and the lineage of Solomon. And you will see again in 1 Kings 5 and 1 that when David deceased, you'll see this. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon when he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram had always been a friend of David. So Hiram was a special man that God raised up at a special time to honor his king and his kings and to be with them at a special time. In today's world, often in the mission field, we call that a person of peace. And what that is, is oftentimes in areas of great loss and distress, you'll find missionaries and God has placed us in some places. We've heard this testimony, it's an amazing thing. They go, they have no friends, they know nothing, but God took them there. And someone in that community reaches out and they say, we just wanna be your friend. And they have no idea why they love them like that. And we were in a very remote region about two years ago with a, just a t very small team where no one believed out of 11 million but 100. And four missionaries were there. And I'll never forget these little taxis stopped in front of this little teeny hut. And we went in and they broke bread and fed us tea. And we, got le we left and I turned to the missionary sitting beside me in the taxi. And I said, is that your person of peace? And she says, yes. When we got to this area, 
we had no idea that God would raise up someone like this. But it isn't just about the missionary field that we think about 7,000 miles away or 6,000 miles away. God raises up Hiram's like he did with David and Solomon in a time to bless in an amazing way. It was in the early 2000s, Deb and I and our family, Judy and Jason, we were in Yakima Valley, the first ones in a church plant, and there we were, and we knew hardly no one in the valley. And one of the things we stumbled into that was a tremendous place was a place called El Portan. Now, El Portan had tremendous chicken fajitas, and we love chicken fajitas. And they would come, every time we would go there, they would just come and present. And it looked like our plate was fuller. We cannot say for sure. But every time when those fajitas come, we couldn't eat them all. But every time after it was over, they would come over also with a plate of fried ice cream and give it to us and never charge us. And I would call them back and say, no, we're to pay. No, we're to give this to you. No, we're to pay. No, we're to give it to, to you time and time again. Finally, one time I began to think this must be the person of peace. And I called the waiter. His name was Juan. And I said, Juan, we've been here many times and you never charge us for the fried ice cream. It's and I said, I'm the, I'm a, but I'm the pastor of the little church down the road, and I'd like to invite you down to the church for worship on Sunday. And Juan says, uh, I thought you were a plumber, and I thought you were the guy that plumbed our, our building here, and that's why we were giving you free ice cream. <laughs> and so we got that corrected, and I noticed that for quite a while, the, the portions just kept going down. <laughs> but really, over the next... 12 years we lived there, and God multiplied, and it's amazing that, that God used that dear little restaurant, and in two weeks, Lord willing, I'll be there for a couple days, one of my hearts is walk in there, and there's one still reaching out to shake hands. Hiram had a special place, and as we look at this in Tyre, we need to remember something else about Tyre, that Tyre began, we, we see a beautiful side of Tyre, then we also see a side of the judgment of God on Tyre. The day came, Ezekiel prophesied of it, Joel prophesied of a time that Tyre was going to face the judgment of God. Now by the time Jesus came here, this was an area often referenced as an area that had just been demolished. Because when God speaks, he does it right. God is an amazing uh, amount of love, but his character demands also his justice. This is who he is. And when God finally says enough is enough, like he did in the land of Tyre, he pronounces judgment and judgment comes. Now there's another verse, Amos was another prophet that prophesied of this judgment in Amos 1, 9 and 10. When he says, thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. Notice God's long suffering even then for Tyre because they delivered up an entire population to Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. Because of this, God says, verse 10, I will send fire upon the wall of Tyre and it will consume her citadels or her castles and Tyre will experience my judgment. And Tyre truly experienced this judgment and this is where Jesus was going to take this little rest 
or this little time of we thought we may have first sought a reprieve in a certain time. You know, the Lord is an amazingly patient God. He's also an amazing God of amazing humor. And the places that he will intersect with us or we will intersect with him is our amazing places. This is God. And here it was that, uh, that this one, Jesus was there. He wanted no one to know it. He couldn't escape. But verse 25, here comes this character into the scene we're looking at this morning. And it says, but after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Jesus is entire. I want us to notice who came. It was a woman. Oftentimes throughout the Bible, oftentimes in real Christian living today, the heart of you women are sensitive enough that you come. And the word of God says this about this woman. There's a lot we do not know about her, but we don't see her husband. Maybe she had one. Maybe he stayed home, says, honey, you go do it. I hear there's a guy in town. But notice what it does say, that this woman after hearing of him, this woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit, in this woman's daughter was something that drove her and possessed her and controlled her to such an extent that the word of God says that woman immediately goes to Jesus. You know, so it wasn't like, okay, I, you know, I'll see if I can work this in my schedule. I've got a pretty big schedule. Uh, that's not where it was. But this woman came to Jesus. This is who she was. But there was more than who she was. She had a problem. You can see the problem. It was one problem. Her daughter had an unclean spirit. That was the one problem that possessed this woman. But there was something else that was a really big problem that we need to get in the message this morning regarding this woman. This woman was a Gentile. That means there was a wall outside that didn't quite fit for this woman. She could look through the window. She could look over the fence, but she could not get in by Israel's standards in that day. It is the reason that previously in the last chapter, if you can remember with me, the Lord was rebuking those Pharisees and those scribes because they had a law that was a law to themselves. They had a religious standard that they had set up that the Lord said, I have nothing to do with. I cannot support that at all. But the word of God says, not only was she a woman, not only was she a Gentile, it says she was a Syrophoenician woman. That means she had two breeds at least that were working within her. She was a Syrian and she was from Phoenicia. And this was who was coming to Jesus. You know, from the, from the law of averages, we would say three strikes and you're out. You're a Gentile, you're a woman, you're a Gentile, you're a Syrophoenician, there's not a chance. But this woman would not let go. We are speaking this morning that the, of a woman who got what she wanted. Now, oftentimes when we look at that, our first reaction is, okay, but I want what God wants me to have, not what I want. 
But the word of God also says that God will give you the desires of your heart, but God will purify that. He will cleanse it. He will challenge us in that area. He will make sure that the spirit within us is pure regarding the very request and the motive through which we're asking. Now, if you look at this with us, this woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician, and notice something else. She didn't just go and say, okay, Jesus, could you take care of my daughter? This woman kept asking. Can you see the disciples saying, get her away. This doesn't really fit, Lord Jesus. Uh, not in our structure. You're here to rest. We're in the beautiful coastline. Take a walk along the ocean. And this woman says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Last Tuesday night, I came home late at night from work here at church, and Deb wasn't there, and I walked in the door, and our back door opens out to the Sonoran Mountains, and so it's just a place that I thought, I'll just go out there, and there's a little fountain that goes at night. I'll just kind of stand out there, and I'm walking out to the fountain, and all of a sudden, I hear this most disruptive noise, and it was a huge hawk that was right underneath a porch that unfolds going off the mountains. And there was this big hawk there. And I stepped over and I looked at the hawk and then I realized he couldn't move. He was already injured. And he got up and he flopped his wing. And I was thinking about this woman that day and studying this and I thought to myself, it's the most amazing thing that God puts me tonight by myself with this hawk on this porch where he can't go anywhere and this is my house. Well, I told that story a couple days last night. Biggest question after church was, what happened to the hawk? <laughs> and I forgot to tell the people what happened to the hawk. What happened to the hawk was the rest of the story was, uh, I walked, he, he sat right by a window to our bedroom, a, door, a window to the door of our bedroom, and I could just look. And there he was, and there I was. The next morning, he had healed. He was there because he had been injured. He was there, he needed healed. And the next day, that hawk was gone. But at that very time, we were placed at the same intersection for one singular moment that I could look at the hawk and the hawk could look at me in the most unusual place and the hawk had a place of healing and the Lord did the healing. This is what's happening here with this woman. She has been so bold and so convicted, and her heart was so stirred because of the demon that was in her daughter, she was willing to take the risk and go to the Lord Jesus in spite of every, every naysayer that surrounded her because she was going to believe God, and she was going to request from God the impossible because he's not going to touch a Gentile. But she doesn't give up. This is who this woman was, and we are going to see more about who our Lord Jesus Christ was as we look for a moment. But sometimes as we look at these stories, and we're all guilty of this, we put ourselves in a third person. And it's a great story. It's about this woman, the Syrophoenician woman. She went to Tyre and overhears Jesus. But you know what the Word of God does? And this is what's so beautiful about the Bible. The Word of God just keeps going, John, come a little closer. This is you too. It's not about the woman. It's about you. It's not about Syria or Tyre. It's about you. 
until you really get the message. You will not get it until you intersect with the truth that I'm teaching. And this is one of the reasons the Pharisees struggled so much. Because when they got that message, it hurt so deeply, often. But I think today we're going to see a message that uh, blesses tremendously. We're looking at a woman who received what she asked. There's a verse in Titus chapter 3, verses 3 and 5, that is one of those verses that just simply says, okay, I want you all to come here and let's all see together really who we are, who, who we were, who we are, and how we got where we were. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of our deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Titus is saying to those at Crete, Paul is writing to Titus to those at Crete, don't ever forget who you are too, apart from Jesus and who you are in Christ and what has made the difference. You see, it's when we get to this place in reading the Bible, no matter where we go in the word of God, that the Bible comes alive and it begins to speak to me. And the Lord Jesus takes us through the word of God and he keeps calling us closer and he said, I want you to get the, la the application. It's just not about David or Solomon or some king. It's about you. And this is what is happening here as we look at this. But it's more than about a woman. It's more than about, it's more than about just being us. We're looking about who Jesus is today. And we'll see this by how Jesus responds to the woman. Now remember what the woman did. She was this Gentile. She, was, she had this, her daughter had an unclean spirit. She falls at her feet. She was a Syrophoenician. She kept asking. Really in many ways, all of that was just like, Rude, in a way. Kept asking Jesus, be quiet. This is a son of God. Or he says he is. But let's keep looking here because we want to see what Jesus said now. Because we're looking at something greater than just who she is and who we are. You see, if we read the Bible, and all we see is who they are and who we are. We miss the message. And this is the beauty of the Bible. The beauty of the Bible never ends till it tells us how Jesus Christ can give us the power to overcome. There is an olive branch you'll find in every page of the Bible. It is, you can make it through Christ. You can make it through Christ. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. And here we'll notice what it says. First, notice what he said. Just like the woman, it almost looks bold. It almost looks cutting. It's sharp. It's like you don't have a place. And notice how he says this. Let the children be satisfied first. Let the children be satisfied first. And Jesus was saying, hold it. My kids first. My Israelites first. You see, there is this amazing truth in the word of God that Jesus first came to Israel. We'll look at that in a moment. 
It's a very big truth. It expands in so many different ways, but Jesus said, let the children be satisfied first. But you know, I want to back up for a moment because let's recognize the gravity of the situation with the woman as she was coming, and now Jesus says, let the, Jesus said, nope, I'm not going to go there. You can't be there. But this area of demonic power is referenced many, many times in the Bible. The Bible teaches many, many great truths, but the Bible teaches that there is a warfare that's going on for the souls of men. 54 times in the Bible, either the word demon or demons are mentioned in the word of God. Now, I'm not someone who looks for a demon in every corner, but I'm not going to deny the power of spiritual warfare and darkness that wants to pervade on, the, on this world throughout, throughout time, even to today. There is a battle with our children for their souls, our grandchildren for our, their souls. There is a warfare going on that we won't always see. Jesus acknowledged this. Jesus often dealt directly with this. He called demons out. He identified things as spiritual that we might even today in our world call natural. I don't know. Jesus could see the heart. He could see being on the outside. But here's a verse in Mark 1.34. He healed many that were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Jesus had power and authority over darkness. He carries that power today. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He has triumphed over darkness. Never believe anything but this because the word of God confirms that Jesus wins. But the word of God also teaches there is a warfare. There is a battle for your soul and mine. Satan does not play fair. He'll work through the back door. He'll come around a place you don't first see him. There's another verse in Luke chapter 13, verse 31 and 32. And here again, it's just showing this battle, and we've heard Jesus' response. We're backing back up from that time. Just at that time, some Pharisees approached him, saying to him, go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. You see, the demon wanted Jesus out of the region. Darkness doesn't like light. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, Herod, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I will reach my goal. And what Jesus Christ was saying is, there will come a day when I will triumph over darkness at a grave, and nothing will hold me down. And every power of darkness will be subservient to me. And the word of God says even today that Satan, yes, he is alive, but he is a defeated foe at the cross. And we are to claim that as a promise as we walk in this way. And I believe this woman was here in spite of who she was, claiming the power of God because she knew that demon was stronger than her. And notice what Jesus said. Now notice, many people might have just walked away, but not this woman. She wasn't going to let go. It is so important to recognize that the first no in prayer may not be what God is ready to give us as a final answer. The first hardship that comes up in ministry is not the first area that God is, is challenges and tests. Now the Lord, notice what, but notice what Jesus said. He says, let the children be satisfied first. And that could have just cut her heart. But then he says, it's not good to take the children's bread I'm here for Israel and throw it to the dogs. 
Do you notice what he was saying? He's saying in light of who they are and who you are, you are a dog. By their perception, Israel looked down on the Gentiles. They looked down on the Syrians. They looked down on the Phoenicians. And Jesus simply says, I won't take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Now we're looking at something, though, that is so much bigger than this because oftentimes we forget this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ reaches out and what it does is it includes. It includes. It includes the guy in the block that you just can't quite get along with. It includes the person in the church when you read the word of God and it says love one another, you quietly in your heart say uh, anyone but that person. The gospel of Jesus Christ reaches out and includes and the, the religion of men leaves out. It happens so often, you can see it. Walls are drawn, valleys are, are made chasms are there that people like this woman comes to that place and she can't find any way to get across and for a minute notice what Jesus does he actually shows the chasm he shows that woman how far she is away from him as a true Israelite you're a Gentile you're way over there but this dear woman would not give up notice what she said there, she says, she answered verse 28 and said, yes, Lord. She says, I understand, Lord. You got me. I'm that person. I'm guilty. I don't deserve anything from you. But then she said, but the dogs will eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And she is saying, if I can get a crumb, if that's what I could get, that will be worth it, Lord Jesus. You see, the heart of this woman was so focused and so desperate and so intent that she was willing to be anything in the eyes of Jesus to get what Jesus could give her. And she would agree with Jesus completely. You see what she did? She agreed with Jesus' indictment. Jesus gave her a con condemning indictment that we could have stood and said, hold it, Jesus, why do you say that? She's probably just a single mom. But that's not what he did. And that's not what she did either. But behind this, we are seeing something about the very character of our Savior that's really important we get. Because the character of our Lord Jesus goes not only deep, so deep, to drop down to pick up everyone in this room, but it goes so broad that it encompasses anyone who will call in the name of the Lord Jesus. Sometimes we get the first and we miss the second. Sometimes we become so shallow we do not go deep. But the Word of God here is teaching something that we want to get this morning because it is so important we get that Jesus, he presents the chasm. It's too wide for you. You can't cross. You're left out. You are the dog. And then she agrees. 
She agrees with the indictment of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then she says, I'll just take a crumb if I can get it, Lord. Lord Jesus, take this. I'll just take the crumb. For a moment as we get this picture, I want to just do a quick flyby over the book of Isaiah. When I say a quick flyby, it's a fast one. It's like a 20 or 30,000 foot flyby at 700 miles an hour. But I want us to get a picture here because it's so important to see because this is something we find throughout the Word of God. That even in the Old Testament, there was a beam of light that was shining brightly saying, there's hope for you. Oftentimes in the middle of all of the, of the darkness and the desperation and the judgments of the tires and sidons, there was a bright light shining saying, you can make it. You can make it. You say, no, but hold it. I'm just outside. And here is this woman before us. And Isaiah was one of these prophets that, showed, that was the one God was speaking through to shine the light. And Isaiah 1 and 18 and 19 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you eat the best of the land. And God is saying to Israel, I can clean you up completely to where nothing is wrong. He is prophesying of what his son would do at the cross as he gives his life as a perfect sacrifice. But you can, we continue to follow the story of Isaiah the prophet, and Isaiah would begin to speak about many. He would begin to use a word called all. And those words begin to expand the very gospel of Jesus because Isaiah often is a parallel book with the book of Matthew. And there it was, Isaiah was beginning to cast a light that there's more than just a few. Now, you know this little secret, but I think we need to probably just whisper it occasionally to each other. There's, there's more than those that surprise Arizona. There's more. There's more than those in USA. There's more. There's those in China and India and Africa and South America, Indonesia, throughout the world who are calling on the name of the Lord today. And the truth of this message shows not only that God reaches deep, but God reaches broad. And Isaiah was beginning to do this as he penned Many, even as he began to pin about the sufferings of Jesus in 52, you will not see this one, but he says, his, uh, he will sprinkle many nations through the work of the cross. Kings will shut their mouth on account of him. And what has been told them, they will see. And what they've not heard, they will not understand. And then Isaiah says, now who's ever going to believe this? That Jesus Christ is going to reach out so far, he's going to catch many nations. You see what God is asking each of us to do, even as his children, just like this woman. He's calling us to reach deep, go to the core, go to where I'm asking to go, but he's also calling us to reach out. Get those hands open, that heart opened, and go where I ask you to go. Be who I want you to be in a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ. Have you noticed how easy it is? And I, I, you could see it right here with Jesus surrounding him. We're the religious elite of the day. And it was a beautiful club. They had it defined perfectly. Have you ever noticed how Jesus must adjust the clubs of life to get us to respond and listen to his voice? 
I don't see this woman having much of a club. She just came to Jesus because she had a big mess at home with her daughter. And here it was that Jesus began to speak. And then, then Isaiah in 54, just, he just used these words, Shout for joy, O barren one. You who have borne no child still shout. And there it was, that beam of light was going out saying, Those of you who are not a part of the family, start shouting because there's something bigger and broader and greater and there's hope for you. There's someone here this morning, and I don't know who, but I know they're here. You sit here and we say, there's no hope for me. And you know what Jesus said after the cross in Isaiah 55? He says, ho, everyone that's thirsteth. And if you don't have money, come to the water. You come and draw water, no matter who you are, where you are, where you have been, how messed up your life has been. And this is the Jesus that we know of the Bible. Isaiah 65, 1 and 2 on the screen, you'll see the wrap-up of, of the prophet Isaiah. He says, I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am. Now Jesus is saying, the ones who were not looking, I allowed myself to be found. To a nation that did not call in my name, I came to them too. I have spread out my hands all day to who? A rebellious people who walk in the way which is not good, following their own thoughts. And this is Jesus, who this woman was coming face to face with. You notice what that woman again said. He said, she said just, when the Lord says, no, you're, you're one of the dogs, really, that's what he's saying. She says, yes, Lord, even the dogs under the table feed in the children's crumb. And he said to her, because of this answer, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Because you were willing to accept an indictment that really hurt and allow yourself to be categorized as the nobodies. The demon's gone. You see what Jesus sees is the heart. He doesn't see the outward. He, David saw that early in his, uh, even as David was chosen king, God looked into the heart of the man, not the outward. And God saw the heart of this woman. And you know what the most beautiful thing is? Because God sees the heart of everyone that is here this morning also. And here it was, we say, but hold it. Didn't he come for his own? And I, I recognize we could talk about this all day, and some of you are much more qualified than I to talk about this, frankly. He came to his own, okay? We have, there's a couple of verses. I may have jumped over this. His own did not receive him. As many as did receive him, receive him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe in his name. He came first to his own. He was in the world. John says the world was made by him. The world did not even know who he was. They missed him. Jesus came to a group of people that missed him. But the beautiful thing about the Lord Jesus, we, this woman had came. We see where she came from, who she was, what she wanted, what Jesus said, and then what he did, and the demon left the daughter. Now he told the woman, the, one, the demon has gone out of your daughter. The woman is in his presence. I don't know how long it took to get back to her house. It could have been a day or two. 
They had no cars. They had no Ubers. They had nothing like that. They just walked. And that's how they got there with their rugged, wore out sandals. But God, Jesus gave this woman a promise that this woman was going to claim as she was on her way home. Sometimes we get lost in, well, plan A was he came for the Jew, plan B was he came for the Gentile. If the Jew would accept the Gentile, have no choice. And I can't sort all that out, but I can show you this much. As I look in the great scheme of God and the beauty of the gospel, plan A included you. There's no B-class Christians. There's no second-level Christians. The Word of God says, in Christ Jesus, you are one in Christ Jesus. There isn't a Greek. There isn't a Jew. There isn't those who are bond. There is none that are bond or free. You're one in Jesus Christ. And that woman claimed that oneness that day at the day of Tyre to receive a blessing that was unbelievable in light of the entire background that surrounded the region. And now she's on her way home. You know, there's a verse in Matthew chapter 11, verse 21 through 24. And it speaks about a group of people that lived up in Chlorazin. You'll see a word Chlorazin, Bethsaida, and down below you'll see Tyre inside. And you'll see one more, one more word later, and that will be Capernaum. And up at Chlorazin, Bethsaida, before we look at that verse, that was an area that Jesus often went in his travels. He went up there many times. But when it came down to giving an indictment against people, he went to the people who had heard the most, seen the most miracles, had received the blessings, the area was bountiful in crops. And this is what he said. Woe to you, Chlorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you say, wow. He says, up there where you heard the word and you had all the blessings and all of the grace was given. And when you reject it and some poor person from Tyre comes and believes. And he says, it'll be more tolerable for Tyre inside in the day of judgment than you. And you, Capernaum, up on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, in beautiful, beautiful farm settings, rich, fertile ground, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades. Today, Capernaum is ruins surrounding that area. We'll see that in a few weeks, months. For those of you who are going, there are ruins around Capernaum. And he says this, though. You will descend to Hades, that is hell. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, up where this woman is, had occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. They would have believed in Sodom. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom the day of judgment than for you. I don't get that completely, but, I, but I'm going to give you one that hit me one time years ago as a young man listening to a pastor teach as a young kid. It was in California. He says, you know what? I, he read this verse and it just hit me. He says, we could bring a guy off the streets of San Francisco, drop him in this church and let him listen to the gospel week after week after week and he'll believe. He says, I don't get it that some people can sit here and hear the gospel and it never goes through and they get it every week 
and someone else comes along and hears it and believes. And I believe this is what we have with this woman here this morning before us. Notice what happened. She's on her way back home. She, all she has is the word of Jesus. The demons out of your daughter. And notice what? And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon having left. She got what she wanted. It was a pure desire. She went after it and God cleansed the demon from her daughter and she came and she saw that. She got what she wanted because there is another truth here we cannot leave this morning because Jesus is who he says he is. And when he says he is the son of God, when he says that he will provide forgiveness and healing and cleansing, when he says that he will do what he says, when we will come to him by faith. And the word of God even says, any person who comes to him, I will, to me, I will in no wise cast out. As we come to the conclusion of this message, I want us to look on the screen at a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. They're a little companion to what we looked at in Titus, but once again, I want to bring it back to us today. Wherever we are, whatever quietly has went through our own hearts regarding our own circumstances, as the message has been going out today, let's claim this together. Remember that you, that you were at the, that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the indictment that you face, I face. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the, the barrier of the dividing wall. And Jesus says, you're all one in Christ. You're all one. Yes, she got what she wanted. Her faith would not let go, but it was because she sought a living, risen Lord who keeps his word and will cross lines that look impossible to men to touch the heart of someone in which would never, ever be able to do that apart from his grace. A miracle happened that day in Tyre. We don't know how far out of the town this woman lived. Maybe she lived in the town of Tyre, but a miracle happened that day. But beyond the miracle, Jesus was teaching several things, but he was teaching one great truth, and that is I can heal and cleanse the impossible situations because what is impossible to men is not po is possible with God. Do you have one today? Is there anyone that doesn't? It may not be personally. It may be just down the road. It might be in the home. It might be one of the children, grandchildren, someone who's wandered away from God. It might be an addiction. 
that is quietly controlling us and we don't know where to go with this. And Jesus is saying, I can heal. If I can heal this woman, I can heal you. But there's something else that's taught this day, and I look at the cross behind us to demonstrate a healing that goes so deep and touches so far into the human heart. But those arms of the cross go out this way too. And Jesus is saying, what seems impossible to you, I can do. Trust me. There's a lot of runaway children that's represented with the parents that are here today. And I want you to claim that as we leave here today. I can touch them. Jesus is saying, my arms go out much farther. That cross extends way beyond what you first see it to be. It's not about you. It's about whoever will call in the name of the Lord, just like this woman who went against every wall that was in front of her to come to Jesus and take the rebuke and the reproach and the revilement to say, here I am. There's one more lesson I want to go back to here as we've looked at these two lessons. And that was the step this woman made. It was a bold step. It wasn't a norm accepted step. It was a ridiculous step from the mind of men, but that woman made it. And I want to ask you today, there's a lot of room up here. We could fill this whole altar up up here. While back, I was in a little church up in Washington. The whole altar was filled up about this long. Or we can just create an altar in our heart today to make that step. I don't know what that step is for you. I don't know what God's asking you. But something tells me because the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us alone if you're his child. He's knocking. And he's saying, make the step. Be bold. Take the step of faith and go after what I put in your heart and don't let go of it, regardless of what anyone says. Regardless what the status quo is, regardless if they call you a Gentile or forgotten. Don't let go of what is in your heart. And when you do that, God loves to bless. He loves to heal. He loves to restore. He'll restore even that which Joel writes about that the locust and the canker worm take away. God loves to repair breaches. He loves to break down walls. He loves, loves to watch forgiveness just flow in amazing ways. But what he says is make the step. Because, see, we're not at Tyre, but we are at Tyre. We're there too. Because the word of God says we're here. In the spirit, to see a miracle that applies not only to a woman and her Savior, but to us. And I just ask you, once again, whatever the Lord has laid in your heart, make the step today. It might just be a ridiculous prayer. You're going to pray to God and no one else will ever know. Or it might be, say, I will come to this altar and recommit my life to Jesus Christ because I started getting away. Or it might be, you know what? I don't think I've ever become a Christian. 
to believe like that. She did. And you don't have to go against those impossible odds today because remember Jesus said in the third day he'll rise again. We have a living representative of the cross of Jesus Christ and a resurrection of the Lord Jesus that says, I have overcome every grave and every power and every doubt of your mind. And where the enemy whispers no, I say yes. And so we give this to the Lord. We give it to you. Remember this woman who God answered her prayer and she got what she was seeking. And it was a healed restored, cleansed daughter, a cleansed home, a beautiful place because she met the Savior who could provide, but she chose to make the step to come and intersect with him at that point that day. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that there is living hope and power through your perfect sacrifice at the cross of Calvary. I thank you, Lord, that you can take every circumstance and what looks impossible to us, just like this woman, is completely possible to you. Oh, Lord, you can take the most dire outlook of, that surrounds everyone, every person here today, and you can bring life, and you can bring joy you can bring forgiveness, you can bring peace, you can bring salvation, you can bring all that you are in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we also, even though we have been far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, and I pray, Lord, that no one that you have placed something in their heart today will let go of it till they claim by faith and a holy boldness in your promises who you are and what you can do and to cry out to you and let you do a mighty work within their life. Lord, I just want to thank you of examples like this woman that we have in the Bible today that didn't care. It meant more to her for someone to be helped than to her to walk away and be safe. Thank you, Lord, for her acknowledgement of faith in you, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that whoever here has heard your call today, dear Jesus, they will respond just like the woman, and they will go home to find something and someone healed from this day forth is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.